Section 2 of The National Geographic Magazine, Volume 9, November 1898. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in May 2021. What is the Tide of the Open Atlantic? By Mark S. W. Jefferson. The writer has sought to collect the known facts of the tides of Atlantic North America and study them in relation to the geography. At the present date, the mathematical theory of the tides has reached a considerable degree of perfection. The theory of geographic influences can hardly be said to have been formulated. Analysis has succeeded in predicting the tides of tomorrow from those of yesterday, but no description of shore configuration and submerged topography will yet enable the mathematician to predict the time and height of the tide at an unknown port. Give him a series of observations at that place, and he will learn from the local constants and compute the future tides with accuracy. This is indeed the only end he has had in view, and it is of great practical importance. The results now accumulated are sufficiently accurate and numerous to deserve comparative study. Furthermore, much light is shed upon this study by the hints that analysts have dropped by the way, if a layman may venture to interpret them. But for Farrell's Treatise on Tides, the present paper could not have been written. Most readers would find the mathematical work veiled in mystery, and not all mathematicians condescend to draw aside the veil. Diurnal inequality, for instance, affects low water little or none, and high water much. A mathematician states that harmonic analysis shows it must be so, and we may get what enlightenment from it we can. In such a study one is immediately struck by the twofold aspect of the problem. One, the tides of theory reside in the deep ocean. 2. The tides of observation belong to the margins of the land. Data given for tides in the open ocean refer merely to the shores of oceanic islands, and it should be borne in mind that tides on the ocean do not admit of measurement by any means as yet at our command, though it is not inconceivable that the gauge may be lowered to the ocean floor, which should record fluctuations of pressure, by means of an electrical communication with the surface. All study of the tides must therefore proceed from the shores. Subdivision of Area The tidal stations for our area fall naturally into two groups as regards distribution in 1. the landlocked waters of the shore itself and 2. the shallow waters bordering North America on the east. Brief notes on the tides of the first area, estuarine, have already been published in the September number of this magazine. Certain water bodies of form not unlike the estuaries there studied could not be included in that paper from the anomalous character of their tides. These are the Bay of Fundy, Vineyard Sound, Buzzards Bay, Narragansett Bay and Long Island Sound. For these waters and the general tidal phenomena of the shallow offshore waters, we get light from the consideration of the tides in the open Atlantic, 
and we immediately see that the older view of the ocean tides is in conflict with the facts now widely observed this was the view of the progressive wave and the co-tidal lines many difficulties are smoothed over by limiting this conception to the shallower shore waters and supposing the ocean basin to be the seat of a stationary wave with vibration period adjusted to the motion of the moon progressive and stationary waves a pebble dropped into still water sends circling ripples in every direction from the point of plunge the ripple is a little wave that travels off till overcome by frictional resistances or stopped by the shore it is a progressive wave to form it a number of water particles in succession move up forward down and back as may be noted by floating sticks and straws such a wave is produced at or off the mouths of estuaries and travels up them the velocity is supposed to be that acquired by a body falling freely through one half the depth of water footnote to make this available in rivers we need a formula for integrating the varying depth and recognition of the effect of width now that the delaware has been gauged such a study is possible End footnote. if you lift one side of a basin or tub partly filled with water and quickly lower it again the water within oscillates as a whole in a time dependent for any one vessel on the depth of water the water on opposite sides rises and falls up at one side when down on the other along a line across the centre there is no vertical motion it is a stationary wave with a central node as with a pendulum successive oscillations are in the same period but the period may be changed by changing the depth of water if the nodal axis lies north and south as when the east end of the vessel has been lifted the motion of the water particles is simultaneously to the west then simultaneously to the east a fall on the east corresponds to a rise on the west the amount of rise and fall depending on distance from the node and much more on local configuration stationary waves may be studied in a tumbler of water and the experiment should be tried the earlier view it is usual in tidal discussions to assume a general case of convenient conditions and come later to the real problem the tides in the case of nature the general case supposed was a sphere uniformly covered with water the moon was considered to have the power of heaping up the waters at the points of the earth nearest to itself and farthest away the deepening of the waters at these two points would be accompanied by a shallowing around a circle equatorial to these points as poles thus the ocean would assume the shape of a prolate spheroid with longer axes always pointed at the moon the earth would always have its two high waters at its opposite points with low waters in between in the mean six hours thirteen minutes a half lunar day would intervene between high and low and between low and high this pharoidal shell would seem to revolve about the earth with the moon alternately elevating and depressing the water surface of any place the first assumption to reject for the actual world 
is the earth's uniform envelope of ocean the atlantic is barred east and west by continents the apices of a tidal spheroid cannot come to this water body in a daily swing about the earth when the moon is over the eastern border of the ocean it might heap the waters there in a tide that would accompany it in its apparent westward path across the ocean but at the american continent this action must for the moment cease each ocean would see the birth and death of a tidal wave at its eastern and western bounds below the southern continents in latitude sixty degrees is a ring of continuous ocean with tides probably simultaneous one hundred eighty degrees apart footnote south georgia and auckland island near this circle are distant nine hours fifteen minutes of longitude their tides differ in time nine hours forty seven minutes End footnote. this belt alone then conforms to ideal conditions it is hard to say when the idea of deriving tides from this southern ocean arose lieutenant j cook reporting tidal observations for the south pacific asserted in seventeen seventy two i am fully convinced that the flood comes from the southward or rather from the southeast laplace seems to have entertained a similar idea for the atlantic and assigned a day and a half as the time it took a wave to come from the main ocean the earliest attempt to draw cotidal lines was in eighteen o seven by dr thomas young it is a sketch of the british islands with coasts of france and norway and progressive tidal lines the lines were drawn straight crossing the english channel nearly at right angles to its axis and in other places springing squarely off from the shores in a supplement to the encyclopedia britannica written in eighteen twenty three dr young suggested the tracing of cotidal lines indicating sources of data declared the scheme impracticable but collected and reduced the data for one hundred fifty stations and described the general course of a tidal wave advancing up the atlantic at least as far as gibraltar dr william wewell took up the investigation in the thirties from all the charts sailing directions and ocean pilots he could obtain he computed cotidal hours for points all over the world being the time of high water on the day of new or full moon from these data he traced the progression of the tide up the atlantic to the coasts of europe and america deriving it from the belt of ocean to the south he published his cotidal chart in eighteen thirty three he was fully conscious of the very crude data given him at times by observers who fancied the ties always occurred at the same hour and he closed his first essay with the warning that the results were only tentative figure one reproduces the atlantic portion of this chart dr wewell was moved by this lack of good data to seek the cooperation of the admiralty to have careful observations made simultaneously at least about the british shores he not only accomplished this but was enabled in eighteen thirty five to publish observations made according to his instructions at six hundred sixty six stations in america and europe with two at the cape of good hope 
for every tide between the eighth and twenty-eighth of june of that year the greater part of these were about the british isles and for this region he published a revision of his chart for the american coast he contented himself with pointing out some errors in his first chart the rest of the chart he abandoned until a wide range of good observations should be at hand difficulties of the earlier view now defects in the general scheme of co-tidals are defects in the theory of a wave progressing up the atlantic from the south these defects we well found to be based on one the extraordinary manner in which the co-tidals contour about the lands together with the difficulty of including the oceanic islands in the system and two the great difference of epoch of the diurnal wave in europe and america together with the identical epoch in spain and at the cape of good hope supposed to be separated by a long journey up the atlantic a comparison of wewell's two maps of british co-tidals figures three and four with dr young's eighteen o seven sketch figure two shows the growing appreciation of the contouring tendencies of co-tidals with the abundance of fairly good data at hand today it is everywhere observed that co-tidal lines adjust themselves closely to the shoreline with reasonable depth it is quite usual for high water to appear far up a bay as early as at its mouth high water reaches the head of placentia bay newfoundland about a half hour before it reaches the headlands on either side of the mouth as may be seen on the accompanying sketch figure five where three stations are shown at the bay head and at either side of the entrance the upper figures at each place indicate the interval between high water at st john's and local high water the lower figure indicates the tidal range in feet from the line of one hundred fathoms it is evident that the impulse is transmitted to the various stations with a delay dependent on distance from the deeper water yet there is no tide of the progressive as to a rhine type this failure is complete in the three characteristics of time range and front steepening since the interval from high water to low water is six hours thirteen minutes at all three stations implying equal front and back slopes in the tide wave buzzards bay has tides that reach almost all its shores at the same time as if originating at some point central to the bay dr bache in eighteen sixty four noted the essential feature that its tides are nearly synchronous at the head and all about the bay to illustrate this figure six besides showing the tidal interval for each station from no man's land shows also the thirty metres co-tidal there is certainly no progression up the bay here nor is there any perceptible increase in tide ranges the duration of rise is greater than that of fall and grows still more so up the bay westport bay mouth rise six hours thirty one minutes fall five hours fifty four minutes wareham r bay head rise six hours fifty five minutes fall five hours thirty minutes this is anomalous 
yet it is to be remembered that there is no progression between these points the tide reaches them about the same time narragansett bay is an undoubted drowned river or rather two of them the several channels complicate the topography the ranges mount up from three point one feet and three point six feet at the entrance to four point nine feet at nyad point thence it diminishes to four point four feet at providence even here the close adjustment of co-tidals to shore contours appears in the fact of nearly simultaneous high water at Seconet, prudence light and point judith the lingering rise of the tide noted in buzzards bay appears here also baymouth rise six hours twenty five minutes fall six hours bayhead rise seven hours five minutes fall five hours ten minutes the bayhead observation is at providence where there is some tidal progression in this case then the wave has become less steep fronted as it advances in vineyard sound again the co-tidals are seen to be contouring ones and strongly contouring it is difficult to comprehend how this can be a local development of a long wave front progressing across the atlantic only from gay head to woods hole are there clear signs of progression in the bay of fundy high water reaches points near the head of the main bay a few minutes before reaching the main coast just outside the bay entrance long island sound gives another surprising illustration of the same tendency this conception of a contouring wave front seems to introduce an element of confusion there is something very reasonable simple and satisfactory in the earlier idea of a long wave crest straight or only gently curving on a long radius yet even in the shallow waters that rear up considerable waves this view is seen to be untenable thus the tide reaches sandy hook thirty to forty five minutes earlier than points farther out to east and south so also in st peter's bay cape breton island as already stated this contouring tendency of the co-tidals became evident to dr wewell as soon as he had good data to work on he saw that on the atlantic coast of north america too the lines must be bent along shore though he did not draw them Erie, in the encyclopedia metropolitana suggests that the co-tidal line is to be regarded as the crest line of a great wave sweeping from shore to shore as it might be seen by an eye far above the earth the characteristic feature of such a wave is that every point of the ocean is regarded as first rising then falling such was probably wewell's conception and it is widespread to-day yet with the abundant data of to-day it is not possible to comprehend how a progressing wave should adapt itself so completely to the shores as it is found to be the case an advancing wave would doubtless tend to adjust itself to the shores of an estuary but the adjustment observed is more than a tendency opposed to this conception is that of a stationary wave conceived to have a medial point without vertical motion called a node contemporaneous with the rise of water on one side of this node occurs a fall on the other 
for the ocean there is no progression of high water the whole water body swashes alternately east and west for an ocean to oscillate about a node in adjustment to the moon's apparent motion is only possible with a given relation between depth and width by counting the oscillations in five or ten seconds with various depths of water in a bowl or tumbler the reader may satisfy himself that for each combination of width and depth there is a constant period of oscillation if the north atlantic has such an oscillation in a period of a lunar half-day it must have the width and depth that correspond growth of the later view the first suggestion of such an oscillation was by young we may therefore consider the atlantic as a detached sea about three thousand five hundred miles long and three miles deep the depth he assumes from theoretical considerations he considers that the wave from the southern ocean might meet the local oscillation about gibraltar where it would doubtless superpose itself upon it the moon's relation to the motion of the detached ocean is thus suggested by dr young the oscillations of the sea constituting the tides are subject to laws exactly similar to those of pendulums capable of performing similar vibrations in the same time and suspended from points which are subjected to regular vibrations of which the periods are completed in half a lunar day just as the hand that supports a pendulum may maintain its motion by a gentle lateral movement so the moon's attraction may apply a periodic impulse to a body of water deep and wide enough to oscillate in half a lunar day and thus make its oscillation perpetual admiral fitzroy in eighteen sixty three republished some suggestions of his own of earlier date that the north atlantic tides among others seemed better accounted for as an oscillation as of water in a basin or a libration as a mass of jelly than as a progression of a southern tide wave his argument points to irregularities in any system of co-tidals the absence of significant tide in the plata estuary opening fairly to the supposed ocean tide and the relation between times of high water on opposite shores in the north atlantic he found high water on the american shore fairly synchronous with low water in europe in eighteen seventy nine mr henry mitchell pointed out that high tide is fairly synchronous from newfoundland to hatteras omitting the gulf of maine moreover along this outer coast flood tide current sets to southwest and ebb to northwest these two facts and the phenomena of the gulf of maine are more intelligible on the hypothesis of an oscillating north atlantic than on any other the current would result from the northeast southwest trend of the coast confining an ocean oscillating east and west a portion of the westward motion being resolved parallel to the coast the stationary wave in the north atlantic it has been noted above that dr wewell's data of eighteen thirty six showed him that the american co-tidals were imperfect though he did not redraw the line he stated that the twelve-hour co-tidal should be nearer the coast 
and Dr. Bache drew it closely contouring from Nantucket to Hatteras and south. It is well established now that, omitting the Gulf of Maine and other enclosed areas, the tides are fairly synchronous from Newfoundland to Florida. The Great Atlantic Oscillation belongs to the deep basin. Across the continental shelf, both east and west, the disturbance is transmitted as a progressive wave, and of course delayed in transmission. As a rough outline of the Atlantic Basin, I have dotted in figure 1 the portions less than 2,000 fathoms deep, not that the continental shelf attains anything like that depth, but the descent from the shelf on east and west falls rapidly to that figure. The ocean basin is thus slightly larger than the parts left white on this sketch. The Atlantic basin is seen to approach much nearer the Spanish and African coasts than the American or the English and Scandinavian. Sable Island, east of Nova Scotia, lies close to the margin of the continental shelf and has its high water six hours twenty-eight minutes after high water on the west coast of Spain, and about two hours before the actual American coast farther west, just as the Spanish coast has its tides earlier than the British Isles and northern Europe generally, where a true progressive wave exists and travels across the shallow waters. This oceanic basin is so shaped and proportioned as to possess an oscillation period of half a lunar day, and twice a day the moon's attraction inclines its surface now east, now west. The figures for Sable Island and Spain show that low water on the east coincides with high water on the west. As the ocean basin is not bounded by straight lines, every tongue of deep water that advances among shallows toward the land transmits the tidal impulse synchronously with the swaying of the Atlantic. In the shallows, progressive waves carry the impulse further. Whole bays respond to the oceanic movement, and only in exceptional areas can co-tidals be truly drawn. The Irish Channel in Wewell's second chart and the Gulf of St. Lawrence well illustrate the limitations of the co-tidal. The great coastwise ebb and flow of the Atlantic currents govern the long lines of bars and sand islands of the eastern United States. It is noteworthy that the so-called Atlantic Ridge, really a broad, gentle swell, must occupy about the same position as the node of the ocean oscillation. One is tempted to speculation on possible accumulations of finest ocean silts in this stiller axis of the swaying mass through the long ages of geologic time. One may wonder again if the moon's periodic impulse does not forbid a departure of the ocean basin from the form demanded for an oscillation in harmony with lunar time, in other words, whether the moon may not have contributed to the permanence of oceanic basins in governing oceanic tides. The tide must resist any attempt to change its period. End of section 2